warnings on the potential perils of lending money to family. The Financial Ombudsman says all agreements to lend money to family need to be properly documented. In a recent case, an elderly woman took a complaint against her daughter over $50,000. Financial Services Complaints, a dispute resolution service, found there was no loan agreement in writing and the money didn't have to be repaid. The dispute centred around whether the sum was a loan or a gift. This is becoming an increasingly common situation, with banks including a family loan in their assessment of mortgage affordability, thus incentivising informal arrangements. The Bank of Mum and Dad is now, Consumer NZ estimates, the fifth largest lender to owner-occupier home owners, just behind the four big banks. Financial Ombudsman Susan Taylor, who's also Chief Executive of Financial Services Complaints, says there can be a reluctance to formally document family lending arrangements. Uh, Susan Morena, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Catherine and Morena. Can you talk us through this recent case, a little bit more detail about the circumstances and where things went wrong? Okay, yes. Well, in this case, it was an elderly mother in her late 70s, and she was wanting to help one of her children buy her first home. Um, She said that she would gift her $100,000 towards that first home deposit. But unfortunately, that wasn't quite enough money um, for the bank to be able to lend. And so she agreed to advance another $50,000, which she intended to be a loan rather than a gift. So in other words, she says she told the daughter in a couple of years' time, I'll need that 50000 back to help me with my retirement. Um, unfortunately, nothing was documented. And when um, the two years went by and mother asked daughter for the $50,000 back, the daughter said, no, that was a gift to me. It was part of the overall gift to help me get into the home and I'm not going to um, repay you. I don't see why I should. Um, At that stage, the complaint was actually against the mortgage advisor that had helped set up the loan. Um, The elderly mother felt that the mortgage advisor should have drawn up legal documents to document that the $50,000 was a loan. Um, But in fact, what she should have done was go and get some independent legal advice and have the arrangement properly documented. And unfortunately, it then became a he said, she said situation. And um, the elderly mother's lawyers said, well, we could go to court or try to get the money back from the daughter, but without any um, written evidence to support the fact that this $50,000 was a loan, um, the chance of success is, is pretty low. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the lessons out of this case? There was some paperwork, was there a deed of some kind? Well, no, there wasn't, and there should have been. Ah. Um, so um, there was a deed of gift, yes. Th- 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 yes. So could you explain? Yes. So there was a deed of gift, and did that relate, from the mother's perspective, that related to the first $100,000? Yes, although it actually recorded 150 because the bank had said, we need to see that it's 150 And then what should have happened was that in the background, there was a separate agreement that though it was recorded as a gift, $50,000 was in fact... Um, a loan to you be see, repaid. This gets to the heart of the problem because hearing that straight away, to me, to do it that way would be to mislead the bank. That's that is an issue, uh, but I could tell you it does happen. But in the background, there are arrangements that mm. part of the money, in some cases, does need to be repaid. So is that so? It's still 
essentially it is still formally a gift, but informally an agreement to repay a portion. That's right. It's yes. really borderline, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. And is the reason it's happening because getting a deposit is just getting harder and harder and if the bank sees this as a loan it just whacks that in and says well that's 50,000 less you can you can have to buy the house is that what's driving some of this behavior necessarily uh, yes, we believe so yes okay. yes okay do you also see cases where it's simply i trust my kids and you know, we've got the situation you can have couples divorcing, and was it a gift or a loan? Yes. Um, I think it's a bit of the she'll be right attitude that we have in New Zealand that nobody wants to believe that their loved ones, their son or daughter, might um, try and pull a, a fast one over them later on. And Obviously, maybe the son or daughter doesn't at the outset. No, that's right. Mm. Um, but things can change. Sometimes there are other family dynamics that come into play. So, you know, the best advice that we can give is that no matter how much you love and trust your, your son, your daughter or family member, whoever it is, to protect yourself and them, actually, um, it is best to get some legal advice and get the agreement down in writing. So that legal advice, it would then be on the lawyers to say, look, you can call this whole thing a gift, have a side agreement that parts to be that part is to be replayed, and where we'd end up in court, that would hold. I'd be really interested to see which document prevails. Mm. But go and get legal advice yes. about what your options are. The bottom line is document. Yes, yes. How common are loans among relatives? Well, um, we only have the anecdotal evidence to go on, but there was some data in uh, last year that said that um, they estimate $22.6 billion worth of loans uh, from the uh, bank of mum and dad. So extrapolating that data, um, this happens quite frequently. All right, and not only that, I think the same uh, actually was, um, let's have a look here, looking at the, the amount that's being lent the national median house price sitting around just under $900,000, a 20% deposit is 178000 mm, It's a lot of money for a first-home buyer to have. Um, yeah. So you can understand that um, you know many parents are choosing who've got good equity perhaps in their homes or are downsizing and then choosing to help their, their sons and daughters into their first home. What are the other reasons you believe people are so reluctant to formalise these agreements? Could you speak a little bit more to the psychology of it, Susan? Uh, well, I, as I said earlier, I think it's you don't like to think that you're that you can't trust your son and daughter, and I think people feel New Zealanders aren't very good at talking about money, um, and I think they perhaps would feel embarrassed if they raise with their son or daughter, "I want a document to um, evidence this agreement." Um, and um, they don't envisage that anything will go wrong further down the track. And they, uh, so what I would suggest is that if they're feeling a bit uncertain or embarrassed, perhaps um, make it a whole family chat, bring other family members in to talk about what what you're intending to do, which would also then provide some extra evidence, if you like, as to what was agreed at the time. Or perhaps bring in a third party, such as, as a lawyer um, or a, a good family friend, to have that difficult conversation. But I think difficult conversations at the start will save you the potential of a whole lot of heartache later on. Is it some uh, sometimes the case that there are fallings out with other members of the family, possibly over the lending? And this is why... 
it becomes such a complex situation because of the relationships involved. Yes, and I mean, again, we see sometimes um, disputes between families, and it's often perhaps because one um, one child hasn't been aware, perhaps, that the parent has helped the other, and when it comes to light a few years later, which happened pretty much in this case, um, then sides are taken, and the the child that hasn't been the benefit of the gift um, can feel aggrieved or, or want to poke, poke their nose into it. The other men- the other point I mentioned was when a loan is made to a couple buying a house, and it's from parent to child, as far as the parent is concerned. Mm. What does the law say? Well, again, that would depend, I think, on, on the on the document. Um, does it become part? It comes down to whether this becomes part of um, relationship relationship well, property. property. So again, law. that's another tier of complexity that needs to be addressed. It is, and um, you know, you probably need to talk to a relationship property lawyer on that. But um, but once again, I think um, the parents would want to um, obviously seek advice at the start and make sure that their contribution is protected in the event of a a subsequent relationship breakdown. Is there a flip side? Uh, This case was contested, other cases were contested as to whether something was intended. That's the the problem. Your intention needs to be in writing. Uh, Is there a a flip side where, as far as you're concerned, this was a gift, this was have this now, get you into your first home, you may as well enjoy it now instead of waiting till we're dead. Mm. And it actually can then turn into saying, sorry, we want this back. Have you seen those cases? We haven't, but that is that is a possibility. And that's why it comes down to is it documenting at the beginning. And the way you can put it is that it is for both of our protection so that you know that this sum was gifted or, or this sum was, was a loan. And both sides know where they stand at the start. And um, two or three years down the track, you've got that written agreement that sets it all out quite clearly. Uh, does a deed of family affairs do the job if it is done properly? Uh, I think it would be, um, if it's not a deed of family affairs, um, another type of contract that um, if it's where both sides have had independent legal advice drawn up properly, then it should protect both parties. What are the other key complaints coming to you, either as financial ombudsman or as um, chief executive of the financial services complaints? Is that the operational arm, if you like? Yes. So, I mean, as a financial ombudsman, um, if a consumer has a complaint about a financial service provider that is part of our service, um, they can come to us at no charge. Um, We've had a steep rise in complaints coming to us in the last 12 months, um, a 37% increase in complaints. What do you put that down to? Um, A number of factors. Um, About a third of those relate to loans, so that's non-bank loans. We don't look at bank complaints. That's the banking ombudsman. So can we hypothesise from that that more and more people are going to struggle to get bank loans and are again turning to family for a range of lending? Yes, yes, and other non-bank lenders. Mm. Um, And um, so that 37% increase we put down to a number of factors. When economic times are tough, you tend to see a rise in complaints. 
Um, we've done quite a bit in the last year about raising consumer awareness so that people know that they can come to our service. Um, and also I think it's a bit of a hangover from COVID as well. Um, people are just feeling a bit grumpy at the moment and I think they're more likely to complain um, and want their complaint heard um, than just sitting back and thinking, oh, I'll let this one go this time. Mm. Um, so, yes, we've had a very busy year um, and we expect that, unfortunately, to continue for the next year. But rule number one, however uncomfortable, it's better to be uncomfortable at the beginning than at the end. Yeah, and if you feel that you've been treated unfairly by your lender or by any financial service provider, you have a right to complain and there is a free service that will hear your complaint and will tell you if there's any merit to it or not. And if we find there is merit to the complaint, then we can award compensation up to $350,000. Wow, okay. So and then the alternative well. is they can carry on to the courts, but you can certainly set the scene for them. Yeah, though um, they can if they've got if their loss. Mm. Well, if their loss is over three fifty, mm. three hundred fifty thousand, they're off to the courts anyway. Yeah, the consumer doesn't have to accept our decision if they don't like it, uh, but the financial service provider does have to accept it. What's the most unusual case you've had? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this one we're talking about because everyone knows the risk, the amount of lending now to help kids get into the home. Mm. So this one kind of stands out as the, the example du jour, but what, 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 what oh, are one of the stranger ones? Put you on the spot. <laughs> yes, you have put me on the spot there. Yeah. Um, oh, well, we used to see some interesting travel insurance complaints and, you know, we've had cases, for example, where someone claimed, this is, I have to say, um, pre-COVID times, where someone claims to have been drugged in a park in Romania and then their card was stolen and, and used to make some transactions when, in fact, um, you know, quite possibly the person knew exactly what was going on or, or was, had got themselves into... Part of the story was accurate. <laughs> Part of the story was accurate, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. But we see all types of, um, mm. you know, we, no two cases are the same. Um, part of what makes our job so interesting um, is that we every case is different um, and we never quite know what's coming in the door each day. Are most against some kind of institutional lender, large well, or small? We, as I said, we don't look at complaints against banks. So um, the, the non-bank lenders, we um, have a lot of non-bank lenders ranging from very large ones right down to your more um, payday lenders. Uh-huh. But we also see complaints against financial advisors, which can be mortgage brokers, insurance brokers. We have look at complaints against fund managers, card companies like American Express, um, trustee uh, supervisor companies, transactional service providers. So a huge range of different services. Just circling back to the mortgage broker, because... I think you've said that actually specifically that was whom the complaint was against in this yes, case. Yes, yes. And what role do they have in this situation? Because as we said, the incentive, unintended consequence, of the way the banks will analyse your overall mortgage um, affordability, the incentive is to say, actually, just call this a gift. And you know what I mean? Mm. Do, do they have a level of accountability here? And are they being upfront enough about the potential consequences of 
not being upfront. Look, in this case, I think the mortgage broker did see the consequences, and the reason that we found no fault on their part was because they did recommend that um, the elderly lady go and get some legal advice and get it documented. Now, there was some misunderstanding. She thought the mortgage broker was going to look after that and draw up the documents, but clearly that's not part of their financial advice role. They're not qualified to do that. So, um, you know, a good mortgage broker will say, would, would urge the, the parent to make sure that they've got all their I's dotted and T's crossed and get some independent advice. Susan, thank you very much. One suspects it's timely given the current uh, situation on uh, home lending in particular. Susan Taylor's the financial ombudsman. She's also the chief executive of the financial services complaint.